Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it could save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. And I gotta tell you guys, it's super easy to use. Two taps, you're in, you're out, boom, you got your tickets, you're rolling. I mean, you can look at these things right before the game tips off and you're gonna find yourself a great seat and just ready to roll and enjoy the action. Well, now GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on My Ticket section of the app. Create an account. Then under the billing section, redeem code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, folks. Don't give that up. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code. And it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. Speaking of looking fresh, is that velvet you have? <laughs> Biggie Velvet. Mo Dackel. This guy's amazing. Welcome to a special episode of Brody and the Beard and Clip City. We're doing a crossover pod. We're not, it's not so much a post-game podcast as much as it's a the entire game podcast. So with me, Mo DeKeel, we got Jovan Buha from Clip City, Kelly Eco from Brody and the Beard. We got Wozni Lambre coming in at halftime and giving us some, some interesting takes. Guys, what we decided to do with this one was we're trying to bring you in for the whole experience. From the very beginning of the game, halftime, all the way to the post game, and just all our thoughts kind of real time as we're going. So what we said in the first half may not have stood in the second half. Who knows? But anyways, check it out. Let us know what you guys think. Tell us if you like it, and hopefully we can try to do this some more. Hey, Coach. Would you, historically, would you talk about James Harden, the scoring barrage he's been on, give us your thoughts on that? I'm scared to talk about players from other teams because I get fined for it. So um, I'm just going to say they have a very good player on their team. <laughs> you got the trophy now. I don't think they're going to find you this time, Coach. Oh, you think oh. so? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, he's been on the bench. He's been on the score bench for like for his career, you know, really. So he's just tough. He's a, he's a tough guy to guard. He, he really is. Uh, I don't know if you can guard him one-on-one uh, consistently. He's just like all the other great players, though. You can't give them one look. Uh, you have to have a, a philosophy of how you're going to play them uh, and then live with it. You know, and some of those times when you live with it, he's hurting you, but you still just have to live with it because it, it gives you team organization. There's been a lot of like, different competitive moments uh, with you two guys, you know, Rockets and Corpus. Do you sense like there's any like animosity or is it just kind of normal? Just me and Austin, other than that. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, listen, I, I don't think so. Uh, but there, there is a little bit, I guess. You know, we've had a playoff series uh, against them, not the same group. Uh, you know, it just seems like Westbrook and, and Pat have their own thing going. Tucker and, and all of our guys, it's just, it's two very competitive teams, you know, and so when you have that 
together, it usually turns into a competitive game. Oh, and the Chris Paul and thing last year, <laughs> two years ago. And no, no. So no, I guess there has been a lot of stuff. But it's funny. Every time something happens, it's like a new group, and then something happens with that group. So it's just, I don't know. Um, Doc, with so many guys being um, in, in and out of the lineup for um, you guys this year, have you found any combinations that maybe you didn't plan on using that you really like? No, I mean, I, I think we thought about all the combinations all summer. You know, uh, we haven't used the big combination much that we thought we would use some, and that's Trez and Zoo. Uh, I think we've used it for about two minutes or three minutes all year. Uh, but that's a lineup we believe we can use as well. You know, there's a couple of lineups we actually haven't used <laughs> that we think we still have in our back pocket. So through the first two games, what can you tell me of the film about, you know, the Clippers? They're pretty good. <laughs> that's what something you would hear. I know you wanted to hear something that you didn't know already, huh? Now they, uh, well, they, they, what makes them tough is the the, the, uh, the multiple position players where they can run the same play, move people around, and give the same play a different look, different effect. You know what I mean? You, 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 one time you have Beverly at the point. Then you put the ball in Leonard's hand, run the same play. He's 6'8". You know, it, 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 causes, it makes it tough to defend. And uh, Golden State was a little bit like that you know, uh, years ago, where they could just move people around and uh, just give it a whole different look. Um, obviously, obviously, they can score, you know, number one in the league in drag, pick and rolls, which is going to be a little bit of a problem. Um, number one scoring bench in the league, always a problem. Keep, keeping them off the offensive glass. We got a work cut out for us. Is there anything you've seen on how, you know, they tend to send traps on James? Is there a counter to that? Like possibly giving the ball to Russ at the top of the key? Is there anything to counter, you know? Well, counter, counter is to move the ball, you know? You move the ball and uh, guys have to make shots. They, they can only do that up to the point where you're missing shots and it looks good what they're doing. Uh, you see in several other games where, uh, Teams trap him, the ball moves, guys make shots, they call the trap off. You know, so it's no big, no big secret on that. Have the, the right spacing, the right floor spacing, pass the basketball and make your shots. Because they will be open. Alright, Kelly, so we're about 20 minutes before the game. What do, what's your feel here for the Rockets in town against the Clippers? What's your feel for tonight's game? I think it's going to be another emotional night. Just all four superstars are from California. This is their backyard. You know, how are James and the Rockets going to respond from last game's debacle when they, they essentially threw the game away? Are they, going to, are they going to bounce back? How are they going to respond to the traps, the double teams? You know, Daniel House is playing now. How is he going to affect the game on four-on-three situations whenever he has the ball in his hands? You know, they have to make quick decisions whenever the ball's in their hands. How can they respond to the Clippers' pressure? Kawhi Leonard and if PG has a good game because he had a bad game last, last right. time. Uh, expect a big game from PG. Kawhi's going to bring it. I think it's going to be a fun entertaining contest. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of emotional intensity. Both coaches talked about it in pregame, kind of a rivalry. 
sort of developing between the two teams. So I think we're going to see that kind of carry over. Plus, you know, you you always have that Russ Patrick Beverly dynamic, and you have all of that stuff that kind of comes into it. We just got our man Yovan Buha from the edition. from the, the the Clippers beat. What's your feel for tonight's game going into tonight between uh, the Rockets and Clippers? The, the thing I'm most interested in is how the Clippers defend James Harden. Uh, I, I thought. They were not the first. I think it was Denver was the first team to kind of trap him like that. But the, the, I think they were the very next game. Uh, so Doc wasn't really happy with the way they defended that um, until kind of like you know the end of the game uh, when you know Russ missed that game winner and kind of they, they got a few stops late. But there was a stretch there where you know the, especially just I think to start the third where the Rockets went on that big run that kind of swung the game, gave them that lead, uh, and it felt like they were going to win that. So. I think for me, from the Clippers side of things, I'm just, I think they're going to trap him again. I think they're going to zone up. They've been zoning up a lot the last two, three weeks, uh, you know, potentially in preparation for a guy like Harden. Uh, so I think they're going to throw a bunch of different looks at him. Um, wouldn't surprise me if they want like boxing one or something. Like, I think they're really going to throw a bunch of stuff at him. Um, so to me, it's just how they handle that, uh, how their backline rotations are when it is four on three. And one of those guys is Russ, who we know can get to the rim in two seconds. So. Um, that to me is, is kind of the most interesting dynamic with this game. Yeah, and I think an interesting aspect to it from the last game when they were doing that trapping, they had such little practice time yeah. in between, and they're still adjusting to Paul George coming into the lineup. You know, the to, second game together, you know, with Kawhi. Yeah, I mean, it's it's still it was a whole new thing. Now they got more games under their belt. It almost feels like it might be a more organized attack defensively with how they go at Harden. So. Kelly, what, what's your feel from what you've seen from Harden so far? Do you feel like he's going to be more prepared for this one? or? I mean, I think naturally when you, you see that after the Denver game kind of threw them by surprise, they get more time to look at the film and get their reps underway. And part of that also was guys hitting open shots. Ben McLemore, Daniel House, you know, Eric Gordon's not playing, but he's going to return soon. Can they force the Clippers to adjust from that defensive strategy? Because I talked to the guys before the game and they said that's kind of how the Warriors were where – it's always constant pressure. Like you see Pat Bev, and you'll see Kawhi, then you'll see Paul George. How can they adjust it on the fly? Because this game is going to go pretty fast, and, and the crowd's going to get into it. Can they keep their emotions in check and, and, and weather the storm? Because there will be a big run in this game, and you have to find a way to, to maintain it. Perfect, guys. I think that's it right now. Wait, before I have a question. Go for it. Yeah. What was the atmosphere in the locker room like, in the locker rooms, and how were the coaches seeming when you guys talked to them or what? I just got here at seven o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> really I'm not gonna <laughs> crazy, uh, crazy <laughs> traffic day to day. Um, I mean, I, I know like uh, I asked at shoot around, I asked the Vita Zubots what he learned from the first two matchups between these these teams, and he said, "We don't like them; they don't like us." And then there was kind of an awkward pause, and then he started laughing. And Zoo's a nice guy, so he's not gonna really like you know talk crap in the media and then kind of ruffle feathers. But I thought for that to come from him really kind of points to like these two teams don't like each other. There's multiple storylines there. Um, like I, I know obviously Doc and Austin is, is the big one and, and Russ and Pat, but I don't think like Paul and Kawhi were happy with uh, some of the fouls that James was drawing. He had the one where he almost like ripped Kawhi's arm out of his socket. And then on the flip side, you know, James kind of went at those guys after the game. and was like, well, they couldn't guard me one-on-one. -on -one. They had to trap me 40 feet from the basket. So like, I think even at the star level, there's some animosity there. So, um, I think you're going to see that again tonight, probably manifest in, in some way. For me, I hope it's Russ and Pat, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> uh, for Houston, you know, 
look, it's, it's an 82 game season, but these guys, they will not forget. They kept talking about in the locker room how the start of the fourth quarter, how they got like four or five fouls called on them. And it changed the whole, it killed the momentum and, and it made the Clippers it kind of give them new life in the game. So they're locked in. They're trying to get one up on the Clippers because they did throw one away, essentially. Uh, I talked they should to, have won that game. Yeah, they should, yeah, I talked to Daniel House and, and he just kind of told me how he can also affect it as a tertiary playmaker. You know, when he, the ball comes to his hand, like I mentioned earlier, can he attack four and three? Can they get other guys open and, and make good shots? So I think they're ready for this game, but who knows when tip-off starts. All right, so before tip-off, what are your predictions? Ooh. Uh, like, how, how specific do you want to go? <laughs> how, how, however specific you want to be. Uh, I'll say the Clippers by six. Kelly, what you got? I think Clippers by one. Oh, we got another tight one. I think Clippers by ten. But I think we all have Clips wow. winning this one. Yeah. I'm going to just stir the pot and say Rockets by one or two. I'm going to go two. Rockets by two. We'll see. All right. Well, this is us at pregame, so we'll we'll check in at we'll, halftime. We'll, we'll see how dumb we look after. This is a blowout. We'll, we'll check in at halftime and see where we're at, and then and, and maybe we'll recalibrate then. And of course, we can always just tell Sasha to delete everything. <laughs> Here at halftime at 69-54, Clippers are up. They're kind of just sort of kicking the Rockets' ass right now. I, we got Yovan Buha, Clippers beat writer, Kelly Eco, Rockets beat writer. We got Wozni Lambre, fashion expert, and me, Mo DeKeel. And basketball expert. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, we just going fashion expert. <laughs> Guys, what are your takes so far from seeing that first half? You know, for, the, for Houston, it is an emotional game. They are losing that battle right now. We saw Ben... Pat Bev and uh, Ben get into a, a rush on a swap away at Pat Bev. And this is what I was talking about before the game. They have to keep their emotions in check because now you look up a 15-point uh, game and it, it might get worse second half. Do you think guys are distracted by your ecosystem jacket? It is it is pretty shiny, but you <laughs> can't, can't see it from there. So. Uh, two, two things for me. I thought, one, the Rockets have had no answer for Kawhi. PJ's had a couple good possessions where he stripped and forced him into tough shots, but for the most part, Kawhi's kind of doing whatever he wants offensively. Uh, and then the second thing was once the Clippers switched off of trapping Harden, I thought the game changed. Uh, you know, he's kind of looked a little disengaged offensively, just hasn't really been James Harden tonight. But I, I think the Clippers have the defenders to throw at him where you don't have to trap and give up open threes, which you saw, I think, in the first quarter. You could put Pat Bev on him. You could put Mo Harkless, Kawhi, PG. You have a bunch of different guys, but... I think trapping him and forcing the, the shooters to beat you isn't going to work. It barely worked last game. I, I didn't think it was working tonight. So I think they should stick with him one-on-one. Waz, what you got? I mean, for me, if you're the Rockets and you can't guard Mo Harkless, I mean, excuse me, not Mo Harkless, Montrez Harrell, one-on-one. He's looking like baby Shaq out there. Uh, you, you can't guard him with one on the ball. You're toast. His core, though, his core. Core his core strength, yeah, he's, he's got good core strength, but I mean, come on, Clint Capella, like, you're getting paid, like, you know, an upper-tier NBA starting-level center, and you can't do anything with a bench player. Um, I think, to me, that's the tail of the half. They can't do anything with that guy one-on-one. What are they going to do with Kawhi? What are they going to do with Paul George? I mean, the big thing for me is, when I'm looking at it, it seems like Harden's very disengaged. He only yep. has seven shots at this point. 
He didn't shoot a so- shot in the second quarter till about five minutes left to go. He's, I mean, it's it's four, Air ball at the end of the half. Yeah, you know, four <laughs> shots in the first quarter, three in the se- I mean, three in the second quarter. Like, I feel like he's just not fully into this game. I don't know what it is, but he just doesn't look really locked in and ready to roll. I heard there's a bug going around LA. Oh, just because I heard. Just. That's what I heard. But, There's a bug but, going around LA. It happens to a lot of teams that come down here. That's what I heard, Mo. Well, LA nightlife's undefeated, man. <laughs> but but it also goes back to what we were talking about earlier with, you know, Patrick Beverly being that aggressor and he's Harden is the kind of guy that if you're trying to get him going early like in his head, he can kind of take himself out of the game a little bit. And to the to their credit, it's working for them right now. Now how's it gonna be in the second half? Are they gonna readjust? Harden has to be more aggressive. He has to, you know, create his own shot. He took what, five shots, I think? Seven, seven shots. He has to be so much more aggressive for them to have a chance to win this game. Well, I think that's it for the half right now. We're going to come back to you after the game with our reactions. Uh, Waz may make it back. He may not. Who knows? Uh, and he says yes, but it was a not. It wasn't out loud. So we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully, <laughs> yeah. hopefully, hopefully, we'll be able to wrangle him back. But uh, so far, my prediction stands. I said. Clippers up by going to win by 10. I'm feeling pretty good about where I'm at. I'm looking right silly, now. but I, I, I can take it. So I was just trying to be, I was trying to make it interesting. Like seven threes right yeah, you never right. know. You never know. James Harden could pick it up. Not with the- <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought the game slipped away in the third. I just thought we came out flat. We played the, you know, the first quarter, first half, we played at the best pace I thought we played in all season. You know, made some miss, pushed the ball up the floor, up the floor with space, we trusting the pass. But in the third quarter, our pace was the exact opposite. Kind of walked the ball up the floor, took our time, we got late in the clock, came um, an ISO game, and that got them confident. And I thought the beginning of the third, that first six minutes changed the entire game. I thought we had a chance to knock them out, uh, and we didn't. And then I thought in the fourth quarter, it was more composure. I thought we just lost our composure overall as a team. Um, you, know, you know, it happens, but it, it shouldn't, and it's a good learning lesson for us. All right, we're here at the post game. The Clippers lost. Um, pulling up the score sheet 122 117. Rockets were awesome. Down the stretch, we got Jovan Buha, Kelly Eco. Mo DeKeel, Sasha Shaw, and shockingly, we lost Waz. So, uh, I think we should start by saying Sasha was the only one that was I right. I was right. I was off by we, three we were, points. We were all wrong. Yeah, I, I, I changed seats in the second half, and she just turned to me at one point. I was sitting right next to her. It would have been nine, but Paul just hit the, the layup. At, at, at like, the end. But she turned over to me afterwards going, like, I told you. And I was just like, yeah, you dude, told us. Dude, Waz did the same thing. He was like, bro, I told you Russ is coming to this. <laughs> But we got to talk about it. I mean, Russ was phenomenal in this game. Had 40 points as Jovan delightfully gleed off 31 shots. But he was pretty strong for the Rockets down the stretch. Uh, James Harden finished with 28. Clint Capella with 16 and 8 for the Clippers. Kawhi had 25 and 9. Paul George was awesome with 34 and 9. Landry Shamit hit some big shots down the stretch as well. It was a... Listen, the first half we talked about it. The second half, it was like a completely different Rockets team coming out in that third quarter. 
What did you guys see starting out in that third? Well, I think we need a playoff series between these two teams. That's what I've learned through three games. Uh, like th These two teams clearly don't like each other. We talked about it earlier. Uh, it was confirmed again with a testy fourth quarter. Lou Williams gets ejected for arguing about what he felt was you know a bad call against uh, Russell Westbrook. Um, and then, you know, Russ and Pat go at it when uh, Pat gets, you know, uh, his sixth foul and Russ is waving him off. Just like last time, Pat was, you know, air ball, shooting the air ball as Russ left that game. So this has just been now three games where they've all come down to the last few minutes. They've all been decided by single digits and they've all had multiple technical fouls and incidents between Pat and Russ. And I think I'd love to see six or seven of these games in mid to late May. Uh, but as far as the second half, uh, I thought the Clippers, you know, they said it post game. Doc said it. PG said it. They lost this game in the third quarter. Uh, that's when the momentum shifted. They had the 15 point halftime lead and they just came out stagnant and, and really just stopped playing the, the type of, um, you know, sometimes this offense can really gum up and, and look pretty bad. That's what you saw in that third quarter. Uh, and, and then in the four minute stretch, they, they go on this 20 to four run in the middle of the fourth, take a four point lead. With five minutes left, looks like they, you know, they're in the driver's seat for this game. And then all of a sudden, the defense stops, offense goes back to, to, you know, kind of regresses to the third quarter, and and then they end up losing this game by by five. But you know, really could have been more, uh, as Kelly said. So um, I think for the Clippers, this was a lot of their ugly habits recently, kind of rearing their head in the second half. Uh, they had no answer for Russ, especially in transition. He was a one-man fast break. Looked like OKC Russ. Um, you know, this is definitely his best game. He's played against the Clippers this season. Uh, and then Harden, you know, got going because he's, he's James Harden. You're not going to keep him under wraps for, you know, more than a half. So um, overall, I think it was a pretty disappointing game for the Clippers, um, you know, having that 15-point lead and, and just blowing it in the second half. Yeah, I saw a pretty interesting stat uh, in all three games. Patrick Beverly has fouled out in each of the, the three contests, which kind of speaks to, you know, the intensity – that he brings the emotions that clearly run with, between both teams. And for the second game in a row, you're seeing a Rockets team that was down big. You know, Harden kind of was struggling the first half against the Spurs and the Clippers. He hits a shot going into halftime of both games. And in the locker room, they speak of just turn it around, get be more aggressive. I remember someone told me in the locker room at, at halftime that the first half was just a blip. And that the second half, you, you would see the real James Harden. And we kind of saw him kind of pick it up in the third and the fourth. And this is kind of what the Rockets have been preaching all season long is, yes, it's an 82-game season, but you have to have, one, emotional intelligence to overcome those stretches that can't get you down. And, two, you do have to be that kind of – if you're going to be an older team, a vet team, you have to show while you are. And the Clippers are one of the best teams in the league, and they're clearly their newest rival. And they kind of draw a lot of comparisons to the Golden State Warriors of, of the past, how these games were kind of like those. Like there were times where there would be fights, you know, big moments, the crowd, big swings, momentum, stuff like that. But it's how you rise above that that kind of shows the true test of a veteran team. So overall for them, good win. Now can they keep it going? Because this is the kind of team that would lose in Phoenix – or lose, you know, <laughs> Christmas Day, you know, <laughs> to the Warriors. So, so we'll see what happens. But it was a good win. It was a good well, win. Like a couple of things, you know, for for me, I know they were talking about it. they lost for the Clippers. They lost it in the third quarter. But really, when they went on that run, the one thing that really stood out 
most surprisingly to me was Kawhi wasn't a big part of that run at first, you know, and then, you know, it was like a 16 to two run. Then Kawhi comes back and it kind of just stopped there. Like Kawhi started to sort of dominate the ball, started trying to, he was, he was a ball stopper in that situation. I mean, I can't remember a Paul George shot in the last two minutes, except for that layup at the end when it was all decided, you know, I, I can't remember Landry Shamit getting a lot of touches after that. It, it kind of turned into hero ball gone wrong, which is funny because it's something we're used to seeing with Russ at the end of games. And that was kind of the opposite of what we got. We kind of saw it with Kawhi and, and it, it, like you know, we said, the offense got stagnant, all that stuff. I think a lot of that stemmed from Kawhi not kind of reading what got them in, back into this game. And that led to the problems for the Clippers. For the Rockets, the other thing, you know, Kelly was harping on it in the first half, just kind of saying emotionally composed and everything like that. And I thought they did a great job in the second half keeping their composures while the Clippers kind of lost it. I mean, Doc said it in the postgame a little bit about, you know, Lou Williams getting ejected. Like, you can't have that in the fourth quarter. Like, they got – and he was putting it on everybody. Coaching staff, everybody's got to do a better job of pulling him away. He even made a point to make it known that, like, it wasn't the ref's fault you know, ejecting Lou, like he was saying, Hey, you know, the the ref did his job. Like he actually gave us time to get Lou away from him and we didn't do that. And Lou got ejected. Um, and same thing with the, the Beverly situation, you know, he, he understands like fourth quarter techs are the worst and, and that really cost them. And that, that really hurt him. I mean, Russ got five free throws out of that, you know, it was so hype in the stadium. That was like the loudest point. Yeah, one of the better Clipper home games for sure from that perspective. Yeah, the fans were awesome. To your point about Kawhi, though, I I thought P.J. Tucker put the clamps on him. And it was funny, you know, talking about it at halftime, I said the Rockets (laughs) had no answer for for Kawhi. But, you know, the performance P.J. Tucker had in that second half, um, you know, Doc said uh, that he felt it it was Russ and and P.J. Tucker who won them this game. And P.J., I don't don't know what he finished. I mean, yeah, he was, he was three for eight, you know, 10 points. Like, it wasn't like he made a huge difference offensively. But defensively, um, you know, Kawhi really struggled in that second half. One-on-one, you know, stripping him, contesting him, forcing him into tough shots. Uh, so, I thought P.J. really swung this game defensively in the second half. Yeah, I mean, Kawhi finished with, you know, two and nine from the field in the second half. I mean, that's – I mean, that was all Tucker there. And, and another thing about Tucker, he did get those timely rebounds, those one – where uh, I think Russ missed both free throws. No, James, he missed both free throws and took out the rebound again just to give him another possession, more time off the clock. And that's kind of why he brings to this team the, the blue-collar effort and just doing the dirty work that other guys don't want to do. So The funny thing about when Harden missed those two free throws, the fans didn't even notice the offensive rebound because they were so hype on the fact that they're getting free Chick-fil-A tomorrow. <laughs> it was pretty kind of funny. Like, they're, they're cheering their heads off going, like, yeah, we got Chick-fil-A. And I'm like, they still have the ball. It's a oh, bit well, of a problem. And, and the guy he beat out for the rebound was Patrick Patterson. And I thought that was kind of interesting that Doc went with Pat uh, once Pat Beverly got ejected. I, I thought Mo Harkless had really been a factor in the first half and even in, in the third a little bit. Uh, just with his length and his defensive activity. And for them not to put him in, I thought was a little bit... I just didn't love the, the Patrick Patterson fit with the Rockets going so small at the end of the game with Capella and then basically wings and guards. Um, so I, I felt the Clippers were going zone a bit at the end, but I just didn't think Patrick Patterson made a lot of sense. I, I mean, I get his shooting. Maybe that's why they wanted him out there and, and Mo can't really shoot. No offense, Mo. No, no uh, I can't. Harkless can't, but... but. <laughs> 
but but I just thought defensively they lost a, a bit. You know, they're at a disadvantage. With and, and, to, and to your point, you know, when when that happened, they're originally going to put Harkless in, and I think I saw it was Ty Lue grabbing Harkless and pulling him back and yelling, "No, no, no, Pat, bring Pat in." For that reason, I think it was it was it was, it was an I, I think it was the uh, I think that's what they were looking for, like you said, on the offensive side of it, trying to get some some buckets and trust in Patterson to hopefully make some shots. But yeah, it was interesting because I you know. Listen, I say it all the time, man. Always trust a mo. You know, so you always put us in games, man. We'll deliver. We'll deliver. Uh, another thing to touch on, you know, the Clippers didn't exactly trap Harden, but they did kind of go to like a zone at some point. And it was good to see, you know, Capella being aggressive off the catch. It was good to see Dale House, you know, making the extra reads, being making the smart decisions because that's kind of how you do – force a coach to abandon those kind of strategies. You have to make smart decisions on the ball. And I think they did a good job of doing that. And that was another underrated part of why they came back in the second half and were able to take momentum. So what happened after the game? Because I heard there was a little bit of confusion on the Clippers' end. Well, the, the, the Clippers cleared out the locker room. Uh, be, by the time we got in there, there was like four guys gone. Lou was leaving. Zubats was leaving. Uh, so... From my understanding, no one talked to the media after the game outside of Kawhi and PG who take like an hour to talk to the media um, so that they couldn't really just walk out. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that but that alone kind of speaks to how the Clippers were frustrated with this game. I know it was the, the opposite last game, last game where were, Rockets cleared out in, in two minutes. I remember by the time Doc was done with his press conference, the Rockets, that locker room was empty. So um Again, that just is talking to how much these teams really don't like each other. Doc made a joke after the game, like protect the tunnels when we play each other. Uh, like that's how you have to approach this because um, it, it's it, this isn't like something that we're fabricating here. Like they really, you know, Russ and Pat clearly want to fight, like right. and maybe will Scott. at some point. <laughs> like uh, and then you you had the the Pat uh, Ben McLemore you know yeah. kind of altercation, and then you had Russ put his his hand on him, and Pat slapped it away, and I was like, that's it, like they don't like each other. Yeah. So um, I think that's like the most kind of exciting part about this, like uh, you know you have the, the whether you like Harden, whether you like Kawhi, PG, Russ, whatever, like these two teams, it's it's some old school like '90s basketball where they're they're just so competitive we and need more of this we, we do we need we do. this we it's need good for the ratings it's good for the ratings it's forget the about the ratings and, and probably the, fun. it's also fun that it's like it's probably the two most disliked teams of the past decade kind of you had the lob city clippers and then this rockets team people yeah. have talked about recently um with some of you know the foul drawing and stuff people don't like them and it's just interesting that now they're kind of becoming a rivalry well let's let's wrap it up here final thoughts all around including sasha you know what did Take away from this game, kind of going forward, what are you thinking? Um, I think this is going to be something that they, they, they use down the line whenever times get rough, because they will get rough. Um, but the fact that you're able to not completely fold it in and, and just pack it in and go home when you're down 15, 20 points, you know, it, it, it's a good thing to look back on whenever you do need that kind of emphasis. Like and you, know you can do it. Yeah, and, and I think they'll use this as a platform, you know, because they will have they played the Lakers. They haven't played the Lakers yet. They haven't played the Bucks, or they played the Bucks, but they have a lot of big games coming up in the beginning of next year. So they're gonna have to dig deep and find some kind of 
something to, to get them going. I think this is going to be it. I think for the Clippers, this is another slice of humble pie, along with the Milwaukee loss, uh, you know, a week and a half ago, where I, I think you can point to they outplay the Rockets for two and a half quarters. You know, for if you kind of combine the parts of the second half that they won. Um, it was just that quarter and a half where they just got destroyed. And, um, you know, I think what in the second or third quarter, they're outscored by 18. Um, what, once the Rockets had taken a double digit lead, that was like, I think they were down 27, 28 in the second half overall. Uh, so I think for them, you really have to look at what did we do in those two and a half quarters that what, you know, worked so well against Russ, against James. And what did we do so poorly? I think to Mo's point, there has been some stagnation with the offense. There is sometimes too much hero ball. That is the way Kawhi Leonard likes to play, but when he's not making those shots and, and when he's not creating for other people, it can look really bad. And, and you've seen that you know, in that Milwaukee game, in the game tonight. So I, I think for the Clippers, you, know, you don't want to say go back to the drawing board, but you do. I, I do think there are some pretty bad habits that they've established early that if they're not careful can cost them against really good teams. And um, you know, I think last game against Houston was similar where they, they made the comeback late, almost lost that game, ended up winning. This was the same thing where they, they just couldn't get over the hump late. But um, they have some pretty bad habits with I mean, some of the turnovers. They just have these ridiculous turnovers where they're, they're throwing three-quarter court passes. They get stolen. And um, I just think for them, uh, it is time to reevaluate some of this stuff because it has been a trend in, in some of their losses to good teams. Yeah, I think for the the clips, I think you're right, Yovan. Like that's the thing they got to start looking at things a little bit more. We have enough data now between Kawhi and Paul playing together, and and Landry's coming back and he's looking good. But we got enough now where they they got to start figuring things out here a little bit. The excuse of like, all right, these guys haven't played much together is is gone. Like now you got to start figuring this stuff out. And you know, I think this is kind of a work in progress for the clips. I think. The team they're going to end up being in March is going to be very different than the team we see now. I think it's just something they got to work on, and part of that too is they got to actually practice, you know. And they and and they tend to, yeah. Shockingly, you know, we get we get the notes all the time. Practice, practice is canceled quite often, so uh, they might want to use a few more of those sessions to to start working out on that stuff. Uh, it's a novel concept I'm working on here. Uh, practice helps. Well, they can bring Mo back. Uh, they ain't got the money for me. I know Bomber's got. I know Bomber's got billions, but uh, I don't think he's got the uh, the truck for me yet. Um, and for the Rockets, I think this is a great win. This is a good win to build on. You know, coming back. You know, one thing I'd like to see from Houston is not getting down so so bad in the first half. I think they got to start doing a better job. You know, coming out a little more fired up and ready to go because you keep constantly trying to play from behind. That catches up to you. And that's something that you can't do in the playoffs. And I know we're a long way away from that. But the habits you build now, and this goes for both teams, carry over to the playoffs. So it's important to try to correct those, you know, as soon as you can, you know, as early as you can so you can start building the good habits so that those carry into the playoffs. So that's kind of the takeaways really for both games, for both teams. But I thought this was a really fun game just all around. I, I really enjoyed watching both teams. So, uh, listen, I'm going home happy. <laughs> Me too. I honestly, for me, what this was was Russell Westbrook broke redemption tour. Hashtag Wash King. He is no uh, longer Wash King. Uh, I think this is this was Wash Russ. Wash Russ. <laughs> um, it was. I just thought it was a great game for him because. So okay, I talked to someone after the game. Talked to a friend, and they were like, 
everybody's like now overcorrecting on Twitter, being like, oh, I thought Russell Westbrook was bad at basketball. I thought he was a bad player. And like, oh, and he did so well tonight. Um, but people actually do say that. Like, I actually do think there's a lot of anti-Russ sentiment. And I think he proved that he can still be like a huge difference maker out there. And interestingly, it felt like a lot of it was just like him. Like, it was a total like classic Russ performance. It was like no James Harden on the court. Like, he's just out there for like, felt like almost an entire quarter just doing it by himself. And when he went out, they were they went down so quickly and they immediately put him back in. So he was like the real catalyst out there for Rockets offense. And it was just great to see him play so well. He seemed like he was having fun out there. I enjoyed it. It was it was good rust. It was a good rust game. You get the good and bad with it from time to time. This was a good one. I, I encourage everyone to come to a game and see Montrez Harrell's abs up close and personal because that is incredible. I was, I was going to say as, as a – third-party person, you know, hasn't watched the Rockets much outside of the three games against the Clippers. Like, this to me was like that perfect encapsulation of what Russ and Harden could look like together come playoff time. And you hadn't really seen... I hadn't felt Russ played great in the first two games, and it was a lot of... The Clippers were fine playing off of him, letting him shoot. And, I, you know, there was some moments where he'd get out in transition and draw fouls or whatever. But tonight, I mean, we didn't even talk about, like, 13 free throw attempts, you know, 12 or 13 at the free throw line. Uh, I thought that really was the difference. He, he constantly put pressure on the Clippers' tra- transition defense, uh, you know, got the bigs in foul trouble, the guards in foul trouble. And when, when he's doing that, you know what you're getting from James Harden. Like, he, he's, he's a walking, you know, 30 and 10 basically every night. Uh, so if, if you're kind of penciling that in, but if Russ can, maybe can't give you 40 every night, but if he can give you 25 to 30 plus, um, you're in really good shape if you're the Rockets, I think. You're rolling at that point. Uh, I think that'll do it, guys, right? I think any, anything else anybody wants to touch on? Staples Center ice cream is overrated. It is. It looks watery and icy as hell. It's gotten I worse. Say. It's gotten worse. I don't know. I'm 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 off it for a while. I'm on protect the tunnels. I'm 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 off it for a while. So for Jovan Buha for Clip City, Kelly Eco and I for Brody and the Beard, Sasha Shaw. Thank you, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this. This this was a interesting way we wanted to cover the game tonight. So uh, hopefully you all enjoyed it. Give us feedback. Let us know what you think, and uh, we'll go from there. So uh, we out.